all. Come on, church. Man, oh man, good morning. Good morning. Come on, after that worship, we should be on our feet in praise this morning. Man, I love that I'm back here with all of you this morning. I love that we as a church gather every single Sunday to sing praises to an awesome God. You with me on that, church? Amen? Come on. Come on. And we sing, we praise his, and we celebrate the work he's doing in our lives and the lives he's doing in the people around us. It's Sunday, church. What does that mean? It is absolutely our fun day. We have this opportunity to come and gather and just sing praise and have so much fun because church should be fun in my mind. We should have a good time celebrating who God is and what he's doing in our lives. You with me on that? All right, come on. Come on. Well, if you, good morning to all of you who are joining us online this morning. We love the fact that you're returning. It's a cold day. You probably got your warm tea or coffee at home. We wish you were here, but I pray that today that the Word of God touches you right where you are, and you know how much God loves you. And that also goes for our guests, church. Give it up for our guests. Come on. We love the fact that you are here today, that you came out and hang with us for a day. If you haven't figured out, we're a church that's all about Jesus in this place. We love Jesus, and we want you to know how much he loves you as well. Gang, before we get into our conversation this morning, I just want to step back and, and kind of sidestep into some of the things you know I want to share with you. One of them is, you know, it's a new year. We've been talking about this reset. We have new people with us. You know, this is an opportunity for us to step in and make a difference for Jesus more than just showing up on a Sunday morning. You know, we could use your help in volunteering throughout the church. You know, a lot of our ministries right now are going through some cycles of people. The people are stepping back for a season. People are switching over to a different ministry for a season. You know, so I want to encourage you to step in and make a difference by serving. You know, one of our core values as a church is save people. Say it with me. Save people. Right, so that's what we desire for our church to not just come and sit and worship and praise and go out the front door, to come and be a part of what God is doing in his church. You know, one of the ways I want to encourage you to do that this morning is through our kids' ministry. You know, we have an amazing kids' ministry that serves probably 120 kids on a Sunday morning. That's a lot of kids, right? We buy a lot of duct tape, just joking. Um, we have an amazing kids' ministry. All the volunteers do an amazing job trying to reach your children at the level they can understand with the message of hope of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you. That's an area we could use your help to step in and make a difference for Jesus. Everybody do me a favor. Put your arms like this. With me on this. And go like this. Hey, so you can rock a baby for Jesus. You can do that, right? Come on. So do me a favor. In that orange card right in front of you, scan that QR code, sign up and step in and make a difference in, a, in someone's life. Listen, when the babies are in there, the parents are in here hearing about Jesus, right? Right? When the kids are in there, they're learning about Jesus, and their parents are in here learning about Jesus. We, we love to reach the entire family. So do me a favor, step and make a difference. There's a process we go through, but if you scan that, say, I want to jump in and serve in kids ministry. Our, our champion, Nikki, will step out and reach out to you and figure out what that looks like, how to step forward. But don't miss an opportunity that God is tapping on your heart this morning. You with me on that, church? All right. This morning, we continue to dig into our Reset series, a series that I've been praying through and we've been walking through together that I hope that does not set the stage for the next 12 months, but it's my prayer that it will set the stage for years to come. You know, as followers of Jesus, we've been called to hit the reset button in our lives. We've been called to, to change in our lives. In fact, this, the phrase right here is that the moment we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to change. 
right? The moment we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to change. Why? Because when we said yes to Jesus, there was a dramatic change in our lives. We went from dead to life, right? Dead life. That is the beginning stages. It doesn't stop there. And then we walk with Jesus for the rest of our lives until we see him face to face. Either we go be with him or he calls us to be with him, right? And so we, through that process, we walk through change, becoming more like him and less like the world. And him, through his Holy Spirit, continues to step into our lives as we give him access, and he changes us from the inside out, that we reflect him, not the world. And we step into the pathway for him to do that, right? We talked about that last week. So as we get in this morning, I want to understand, this is where we're going. We're hitting the reset. We're asking God to change our lives, to, to make it more like him. So open your Bibles, if you would, 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're starting at verse 11 this morning. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you will find on page 829. 1 Peter 2, verse 11, or page 829 in the orange Bibles. By the way, if you came in this morning and you do not have a Bible of your own, and you grabbed one so you could read Scripture with us, please take that. That's our gift to you. We desire for you to have a copy of God's Word. If you came in this morning and you saw them sitting there and you don't have a Bible of your own, grab one on the way out. We desire for you to have a copy of God's Word. I can't say that enough. Grab one way out. So this morning, we, and we're going to look at Reset from a different perspective. Um, over the past few weeks, we've been digging into our lives. And let's be honest, friends. It hasn't been easy, has it? I mean, getting real and personal hasn't been easy. You know, I hope and pray that even though it hasn't been easy, that you've been finding that it's been worth it. You know, see, challenging our own lives is really difficult. It's really easy for us to look at someone else's life and say, hey, hey, you know that thing that you're doing in your life? I'm seeing it. Yeah, that doesn't honor God. It's so much easier for us to look at other people and say those kind of things than say those words and I'm utter out of our mouths as we're looking in the mirror, right? So much easier. So I don't know where you are in the process, friends. I don't know where you're stuck or where you're struggling, but I want to encourage you, do not give up. Do not give up because God's best life is right in front of you. And the impact of you not giving up and surrendering this whole process to Jesus is far greater than you realize. Now, to start out, we started this whole series, right? We started asking us and walk ourselves questions and walking through some assessments, asking God what he think is possible for us in this new year. Then we jumped in this idea to the power of the change, right? What is made possible only through the Holy Spirit, right? The change agent in our lives, we talked about some spiritual fruit, right? That we want to cultivate our lives so God can grow some spiritual fruit. Then last week, we talked about this pathway to change, right? That we are called to be pathways, stepping, going down. God has given us a pathway to follow and constantly connecting to the vine. You with me on that, church? Constantly connected to the vine. Where I'm going to say church There it is. Church, read your Bibles. Connect, constantly connected to the vine. That the living word of God is working its way into our lives, leading us into life change. And then we jumped in the reading plan together. 
You know, as a church, we jumped, I put out a reading plan and to stay connected to the vine. We also were focusing on praying, how we are talking to God. That's another way we stay connected to the vine. Right now, friends, I want to share with you, we have over 80 people reading that plan together in this church. Come on. That's only the people who jumped on the group thing for the church. There are small groups that we're doing. There are couples reading this plan together. This church is reading scripture together. Oh, read your Bible. It makes sense, right? Do me a favor. If you're in this reading plan, raise your hand and show me if you're finding it fruitful for your life. Show me. Okay. Look around the room, friends. Good people reading God's word making a difference. Don't stop. Keep on digging in. We have a few more weeks to go. But today, we're going to shift the gears, like I said, and we're going to be digging into the impact of change, the impact of our change. You know, too often, we look at change as having a one-dimensional effect in our lives. We plot, we plan, we pray, we pursue what God has for us, but we think the impact only affects the person looking back at us in the mirror. Don't get me wrong. That's the goal, right? Become more like Jesus. We talk about all the time. That's what we're looking for. That is our desire for, for us to follow Jesus closely, abandoning the old life and embracing a new life in him. That's what we're called to do. But the impact of our personal change, walking closer with Jesus, is far more than us. Now, right now, you're open to the book of 1 Peter, we walked through this book back last uh, November. We went through the Breakthrough Series, but we didn't dig into this passage we're going to be walking through this morning, um, which sets us up perfect for this conversation. Now, I would like to say that uh, I was that smart that I intentionally hopped over this so we could set up for this morning, but that wasn't true. This is totally a Jesus thing. First uh, Peter was written by one of Jesus' followers. Uh, one of his right-hand men when it comes to his earthly ministry, Peter was an apostle of Jesus Christ, an apostle who someone was set in place by Jesus to be a herald of the gospel message and set the foundation of the early church. And that's exactly what Peter did. And 1 Peter is, his, is a letter he's writing to a group of followers who were dealing with some hardship in following Christ. They were considered exiles and outcasts in society that rejected Jesus. And if you ask me, that sounds a little too familiar what we ask, what we walk through today, does, isn't it? I mean, we walk through some, as followers of Jesus feeling like outcasts and exiles and the, in a world that rejects Jesus all around us. So let's get into this. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 11. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Let's just stop there with one verse. I love how Peter starts his section out, dear friends, because Peter is speaking to a group of people not only he cares for, but God cares for deeply. In fact, that translation, dear friends, misses the depth of relationship of the conversation. Because the Greek word here translated as dear friends is called agapitas. Agapitas. And it builds off the most common word for God's love for us, which is called agape love. So what Peter is saying, really saying right here is, my beloved friends, my beloved relational friends, Here's what he's saying. My beloved friends are close to God. God who, friends who God loves, shows the intimacy and the relationship that he is writing to them in. Are you with me on that, church? Yeah. 
Now, he says, in that loving relationship with me and with the Father, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires. And that word, I urge you, is a command. It's a command by God to move those abstaining from removing those sinful desires from your life. That same word, I urge, is used in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, when he says, I command us to live as living sacrifices for Jesus. God commands us. He commands us. He commands us to push our old way of life away and embrace a new life with him. He commands us. Sometimes we act like it's, you know, if you want to. If you think it's okay with you. If it's okay with the style of your life that you have. No, no. He commands us to push that away and live a different life. See, God knows we all face these natural desires as human beings that forces us and tries to pull us away from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But because we've been giving the Holy Spirit, we talked about that two weeks ago, because we have everything we need in him to overcome he says, okay, I've given it to you. Now walk away. Don't do it on your own strength. Do it on the strength of the Holy Spirit. Walk away. Why? Why? It's because the impact is far more than we think. Look at verse 12. Look at this. Live such good lives among the pagans, that's the people who don't believe, that though they may accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Live such good lives among those who don't believe. Friends, point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, is this, our reset impacts more than us. Our reset impacts more than us. Our reset impacts all those around us. He says, live such good lives among the unbelievers. See, too often, we are short-sighted when it comes to our lives. We think it's my life, I can live the way I want, and it only impacts me. And that couldn't be any further from the truth, especially when it comes to following Jesus. Think about this. These were the first followers, the first generation of the church, Gen 1, Gen 1 of Jesus, right? Of something amazing that just took place. Something that was set in place by Jesus Christ that challenged and changed the world through Jesus. And they were surrounded by people who rejected what they believed and ultimately who rejected them. They were hard-pressed in life. They were frustrated in life. It would have been so much easier for them to turn back to their old way of life and live like how they once lived. Are you with me on that? It would have been so much easier to do that. Peter knew this. He was surrounded with people who were fighting through this. That's why he was encouraging them. The whole first book of 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 12, stand fast in the grace of God. Embrace this new life. Because it's not just about them. They were the first gen. They're set in place by God to share the hope of Jesus with all those around them. It's like, don't give up. It's not just about you. Saying their, their lives 
their reset would be a testimony to the world around them that Jesus changes everything. That phrase, glorify God in the day that he visits, points to the idea that the Jesus-changed life would become a life that the people around them would want. They would see it, they would believe it, they would repent from their old life, meaning turn completely away and embrace a new life in Jesus Christ. They would surrender their life to Jesus. And the whole process was setting the foundation for the church. Friends, that truth still echoes in our lives today as believers 2,000 years later. Our reset is a testimony that we have entered into and submit to a life-changing process with Jesus. That our old is gone, our new in Jesus here, and we allow him, the Holy Spirit, to mold us and make us more like him. That he's shaping our hearts to, to hate what he hates and to love what he loves. And when people see our lives change, when they experience the fruit of Jesus in our lives, right? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When they see that evidence in our lives, they start to realize that they may be missing something in theirs. Like, I, I know who you were before Jesus, but you started following Jesus. You, you're not that guy anymore. Or you're not that woman anymore. You're not that person anymore, right? But why? Because they're seeing the fruit out in our lives. It's like, man, I want that. I don't have that peace. I'm always angry. I can't control myself. Man, I want some of that in my life. We, our lives are a testimony showing that there may be something missing, and that something missing is Jesus. And they come to the point in their lives where they repent. They're walking this way and they turn around and walk this way and they give their lives to Jesus. That they glorify God in the day he visits. They surrender their lives to him. But it starts with you and me. Hitting that reset button on our lives. Because it not only brings glory to God, but it's a witness to the world to see. We are still in the church building process. Peter said, or Jesus said to Peter, on this rock, I'll build this, right, on you, I'll build this rock, the gates of heaven will not, the gates of hell will not go against it. Still in the building process. The church still in the building process. It does not end until Jesus comes back. There's an impact to our reset. And we just have to, to figure out where we're at. And I wanna, what I want to do this morning, I want to ask you a question. Do you want your version of you or Jesus' version of you? Do you want your version of you or Jesus' version of you? Which version do you think would lead more people to the kingdom? You your version or Jesus' version? Which version do you think will impact your neighbors more? Which version which engages your classmates, students, 
your teammates, your coworkers. Which version of you contradicts this world and its values? Which version of you? Now, I, I'm gonna, I just want to slow down here and talk to the, the parents in this room and the grandparents for a moment. Let me just ask you, do you love your kids? Do you love your kids and your grandkids? Do you want the best life for them? Which version of you do you believe leads them to that? Which version of you would tell them that Jesus is real and that he loves them too? Your version of you or Jesus' version of you? Friends, this is real talk, right? See, with our children, more is caught than taught. Meaning they determine the truth by what we do rather than what we say. If we say we love Jesus, but our lives fails to represent that truth to them, guess what they're thinking about Jesus? Guess what they're thinking about your relationship with Jesus? If they never see us reading his word, if they never experience the power of prayer in their lives, that we're not praying with them, praying over them, when they see us to put whatever we choose in front of him in this world, whatever the world has to offer in front, okay, we're going to do this instead of spending time with Jesus. We're going to do this instead of going worshiping with the body of believers. We're going to go do this. What are we telling them? Because when we put stuff in front of Jesus, we're living our version of us. Not Jesus' version of us. There are so many things that compete with the hearts and lives of our children on the daily. And as parents, he has called us to shepherd them. Our primary focus as a parent is to bring our children to the feet of Jesus and leave them there, encourage them in their relationship. If we don't live Jesus out in our own lives, then how can we lead them there? If we continue to put what the word values before Jesus, exactly what would our children decide to do for their life? Our children will do multiply more what we do little bit. How about those phones? My generation is the first generation of a smartphone. Let's put smart in quotations. How much do we read about the addiction of screen time with our children? Why? Because we're always doing this. And we're not investing, and we're always giving them, hey, go you, you watch, watch a show, watch a show. Never thought your reset would be so hard, would it? Friends, I don't care if your kids are two or 20 plus. This morning, you have an appointment with time and Jesus right here, 
right now to hit the reset button and let your life be a catalyst in the lives of your children or your grandchildren that you love to follow Jesus. And that one decision that you can make today could be the one that echoes the reset in your families for generations to come. I'm a first-generation follower of Jesus. And I praise God that our boys are. And I am praying for our grandchildren. Not yet. I'm praying for them, but I don't need them yet. Let's start there. Let's start with the ones who are closest to us and God's given us responsibility to our family, our children, our family members. And let that reset expand to all of our relationships, all our friendships, all the connections we have in life. You with me on that? He says, live such good lives among the pagans, the unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day that he visits us. Your resets, your reset impacts more people than you realize. Continue reading verse 13. It says, Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake for every human authority, whether an em- the emperor or supreme authority, or the governors who, sent, who are sent by him to punish those who are doing wrong and commend those who are doing right. Verse 15 is for God's will that by doing good you should silence ignorant talk of foolish people. Let's stop there. Point number two, if you're taking notes, our reset impacts more than us. It impacts all those around us. Point number two, our reset impacts more than us. It impacts all those around us. Peter starts this conversation getting to some of the issues they were dealing with the authorities of that time, the first century. And this is what you're dealing with, I understand that, but this is what your life needs to look like regardless of what you're facing. And so I think about this 2,000 years later, and I, and I read these verses, I think about the, and think and wonder about the year that we just stepped into and how the church will act. And the year I'm referring to is the election year. Some of the most embarrassing times for Jesus' church are the election years and the years after if someone is elected in that they don't agree with. Now, friends, I am only speaking this because it's in the passage. I don't like politics, and I will never get in a conversation with politics. I certainly won't speak politics in the church because there's no room for politics in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? But what I read in these verses... When I read in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, and Titus chapter 3, verse 1, we have a call on our lives in this area. Maybe, maybe the realignment for some of us, the reset from us starts here. Maybe this is where we're stumbling and we're causing others to stumble the same. You know, after our current president was elected, a phrase started to circle around that was used verbally and on social media that was calling him Brandon. I didn't know what it was that phrase meant, so I looked it up, and let me just tell you, don't do it, because it's seriously offensive. But what was even more heartbreaking for me 
It was I was watching and listening to a bunch of Christians approve of it. Use it. That is not living such good lives. That is personal satisfaction over personal holiness. Church, we have an opportunity this year to be different. To be different. And we can't miss verse 15. It says, For it is God's will, for it is God's will by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. It is for God's will. Man, that's a question we all like to ask. What is God's will for my life? Right? What is my God's will? What is God's will for this situation? The will of God in Scripture is seen in two different ways. One shows and displays his complete sovereignty and authority of all things. God's will. He wants it done, it will be done. The other reveals his commands in our lives. The, God will, the will of God in this passage talking about the will of his command in our lives. What is he calling us to do in our lives? As followers of Jesus Christ, living for God's will is the best place for us to be. You with me? The, most, the scariest place is for us as followers of Jesus to not be in God's will. When we, hit the, when we fail to hit the reset button in our lives, and live a true Jesus life, okay? I'm not saying we have to be perfect, man, but we need to be pursuing him. We are the ones that should be silenced. When we fail to do it, we're the ones to be silenced because we are like the filled, we're, we're the ones filled with ignorant talk and fool-looking foolish. We're called to be different. And when we choose not to, we tell the world Jesus changes nothing. We're not done. Look at, ver- look at verse 16. He says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Point number three. Our reset impacts more than us. Do you sense a pattern, friends? Our reset impacts more than us. It impacts all those around us. A life changed by Jesus is not a life of cover-up and living and hiding our old behaviors. We need to understand living the old is living in the dark is directly impacts what happens next in life. And I'm talking about directly impacts means it's negative. We say we love Jesus, but we live in this life in darkness over here. We'll never get where God wants us to go. He says, root that out. It doesn't belong in your life. We can't move forward to life Jesus has if we choose or refuse to let some of the old self go. We need to bring whatever's done in the darkness into the light and let the light of Jesus slam it out of our lives. It says we are God's slaves. What Peter is referring to is that we were once slaves to sin. In the book of Romans, it tells us that sin was our master. 
We were controlled by it. It led us into an empty life. But now we're God's slaves, meaning that we surrendered our lives to him. He's the Lord of our lives. We talk about giving him the throne seat, right? Say, it's all yours. I'm going I'm to follow you. You tell me how to live. This is what it's going to look like. And we say, okay, we're going to do what you've called us to do. And he says, I want you to be there. I've given you everything to over, overcome. Friends, our reset impacts more than us. It impacts all those around us. There is more at stake than our own lives. We hit reset to glorify God. We hit the reset to turn our lives around. We hit the reset to bring as many as we can with us to the kingdom. That's what I want you to do this week. I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to write God on top. And then I want to write your name down. And then I want you to start listing all the people that your life is connected with. God, you, and all the people in your life that you are connected with. May it be your work connections, your bosses, your coworkers, your family members, your classmates, your teammates, your coaches, your teachers, the players and neighbors, you know, the planning boards, the councils you're on, all the people your life is connected with, all of them. Then I want you to put a cross next to every name of the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A cross of every name doesn't know that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And if they were to die today, they'd spend eternity separated from God. So on the, scenes, on the screen, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is my family. So you see Rich, that's me. Stephanie, my wife. Isaac Riley. John, Sandra, Steve are my siblings. Lori is my brother's wife. Marina and Darwin are my niece and my nephew, and my Aunt Carol is my mom's sister. That's just my immediate family. If they were to die today, I, our life change, our reset impacts more than us. way more than us. You want me on that church? How you live as a proclaimer, as a follower of Jesus makes a huge difference to the, all those we are blessed to be connected to. Our reset impacts more than us and impacts all those around us. Let's read this together. Our reset impacts it impacts one more time push the button and make a kingdom difference let's pray Father we thank you for this morning this wasn't an easy one to hear God but it's the truth you've called us to a new life and that new life needs to be evident 
to all those around us. Man, they're watching. They'll even point out when we make mistakes. That's fine. We're not perfect. You are. But we are pursuing you. Father, I just pray for those who are in this room who don't know you. Realizing the the impact, what it means to follow Jesus. It's not just their lives, but their kids' lives or their wives or their or their husband or their grandparents or whatever. How it changes. So right now I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come forward. And if that's you, you ready to be Gen 1 Jesus in your family. Come forward, talk to our prayer team, and surrender your life to Christ. Receive the change agent of the Holy Spirit. Hit the reset button and start pursuing the best life possible. And maybe you're in this room and you're, okay, there's some things in my life I'm not recognizing, but this morning God revealed that these are some things I am doing in my life that doesn't bring him glory or honor or praise him at all. So maybe you need to come forward and talk to my prayer team. There is no shame in Jesus. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. Shame's from the pit of hell and not from Jesus. So if you're walking through this, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you this morning to come up and say, God, forgive me for this. I don't know where you're at, but God does. Don't walk out those doors carrying a burden that you were never meant to carry. Hit the reset button today. Scripture is really clear. You ask for forgiveness, he freely gives it. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God, we love you. Thank you for keeping it real for us. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. May we hit the reset and follow you in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless your church. Have an amazing week.